Well, good morning, church. You guys look wonderful today. Let's all stand and worship the Lord together. Lift up his praises as we enter into his presence together as a body. How sweet it is to worship together in, in this place because it's not the place that is the church. It is us, one another coming together to worship him, to honor him, to glorify him. Amen. Let's worship. Saturday was silent. Surely it was through. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise, make a dead man walk again. So open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Pentecostal fire is stirring something new. Come on, you're not. You're not gonna run out of miracles anytime soon. Resurrection power runs in my veins too. I believe there's another miracle here in this room. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is a praise, make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. My God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants you. Just ask, just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elijah. If has anything that he can do, just ask the stone that was rolled at the tomb in the garden. Drop bones rattling, drop bones, hear the word of the Lord. I hear the 
the sound. I hear 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 the sound. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. The sound of dry bones rattling, dry bones hear All the right. word of the Lord. This says, this is the sound of dry bones rattling. Our worship, you guys. So where's your conviction this morning? Where's your belief? Where's your faith? Where's your trust? Is it standing on the word of God that he is who he says he is? So let our praises rise to where our faith is in the Word of God this morning. As we sing this song, I want you to consider all the things that you're still waiting on the Lord to do. And then I want your worship this morning expressed through your voice, through your body, through our physical beings to match our faith level in that and who He is, amen, and Yahweh. In Jesus Christ, the one who defeated death, the one who defeated death and rose again, and who is sitting in the heavenlies, and we are sitting with him. This is the sound. What kind of sound, church, are you going to make this morning? What does your faith sound like? I want to remind you of what Pastor Lynn said a few weeks ago about the whiteout for Penn State. I'm a UCLA fan. But that's okay. We can still use the analogy of the whiteout. That when the home team is playing on the home turf and we know we have the victory, what does that victory sound like? That's assurance, that's confidence, and that's conviction. So come on, church, this morning, let's go ahead and sing. This is the sound. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Open the grave. I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave. I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. Open the grave. I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Sing live. Live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. Live. Dry bones hear the word of the Lord. this morning 
thank the Lord that our faith does not depend on us. That is something that the Holy Spirit provides to us. So if you are struggling in your faith this morning, don't hide from him, go to him. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me up with, your, with faith of who you are and what you do. Because God is not a liar and he does not change. He is faithful. He is provider. He is healer. He is our keeper. He's our defender. He's our protector. He's our friend. He's our counselor. And that does not change. And this morning, he wants to fill you to overflowing. He doesn't want to just give you enough. God is so good. He's so good that he doesn't just fill you just enough so that you keep coming back to him. He wants to fill you to overflowing so that when you pour out, you go back to him. He's not stingy and he doesn't withhold. So we're going to enter into praise and for the next few songs if there are lyrics that you just don't feel at the moment there are lyrics of faith lyrics of prophecy lyrics from the bible scripture if you're not feeling it thank god that this truth does not depend on our feelings amen so step in, press in, church. Lean in to who he is this morning. Lean into the lyrics, especially if you don't feel like it. Some of the best and biggest breakthroughs that you will have will be when you don't feel it because you're choosing to praise. And that's what the Lord is doing amongst us this morning. I feel that church that he is pushing us to believe when we don't see. He's pushing us to declare when we don't feel. We can have victory when we don't yet have the victory in the physical, but in the spiritual we do. You already have the victory in the spiritual realm because you're seated in the heavenlies. Let's continue to praise, let's continue to worship, and consider where you're placing your faith this morning and where your faith comes from. Because he's willing and ready to fill you to overflow. Thank you, Lord. Healing. 
blessings flow from where we find miracles the Lord wants you to know that you are one of his greatest miracles and he desires for you to be his greatest miracle the change in you the transformation the shedding of guilt the shedding of the things that do not serve you his heart was always for you to be his greatest miracle. Not the things that we do, but who you are. Your soul, your will, your emotions, your mind. We sing, bless the Lord, O my soul, because sometimes our soul needs to bless the Lord. Amen. Our soul does not naturally want to bless the Lord at all times. Amen. So just like David, we say, come on, my soul. Come on, my soul. Why are you so downcast within me? Do you not see who the Lord is? Do you not see how good he is? Do you not see how good he's been? Can you remember? Sometimes that's our mind, part of our soul. Let's remember, recall to me, Holy Spirit. Remind me how good you've been to me. that miracles are for today and there are more to come and the Lord wants to do more in you through you in your family at your workplace in your home in your friends in your church So bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I am living in the overflow, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I am living in the overflow, bless the Lord, bless the
Yes, I will 
It is by grace you have been saved. He mentions grace multiple times, not just once. He keeps reminding that we're saved by grace. There's just a release that the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. Something that will let it be well with our soul. Because when you give things to God, it's a surrendering to his peace. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms 
in Christ Jesus, in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's not by our works that we're saved. Maybe there's hurt or a transgression or just hardship and wrestling with the thought of why me? I urge you guys, give it to God. Don't carry it. Give grace abundantly because we have the ultimate grace. So we're going to sing it as well. But before we do, have that conversation with God. Lord, I give you this frustration I've been carrying with this person. Paul writes about living in the Spirit. How are we to live by the Spirit when we hold so tightly to our flesh? Let things die today. And I have goosebumps. It will be well. It is well. Before we even declare it, we're seated with him. Let us put faith to action and say, Lord, I'm just giving it to you. This is the step I know how to do. You do the rest. Healing's going to come. It's not our works, but the spirit that's going to transform our minds. So right now, let's pray. Lord, I lay everything at your feet right now. Forgive me for holding things back, known and unknown. Lord, search my heart. Father, I choose to say it is well. Help me to live in that, to love other people, and to give grace. Holy Spirit, just soften me more and more. Yes, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well.
just continue to let God's love pour out as we greet one another and welcome everybody. Morning. Morning. How's everybody doing today? Good? Woo! We're glad that you're able to join us. We want to welcome all the visitors. If there's any first-time visitors, um, we have pews or we have cards in the back of the pews um, that you can fill out and get your information to us and we can get information to you. Um, so we just want to welcome you. 
we want to welcome Malcolm Santi Cortez. <laughs> born, born Sunday, June 18th. It was eight pounds, eight ounces. A big boy. 22 inches. Uh, we just want to say congratulations to Emma, to Emily Cortez and grandparents, my brother Michael and Inez Martinez. And Lessons. little Michael, Uncle Lessons. Michael. Uh, 2024 uh, Israel trip, uh, May 21st through the 30th, 2024. Um, we're waiting to hear from the travel agent on the final cost, but the price is about 3,800. Um, like I said, we're waiting for the travel agent. But if you're interested, you can talk to Pastor David about it and he'll get you more information. Our ministry prayer partners of the week. Pray for John Pragati in India and Crossroads Church Board. So uh, let's keep them both in prayers, both uh, big ministries for our church. So we just want to keep them in prayer, um, keep them covered, you know, in these ministries, especially our, our board, which handles all of our financial stuff, uh, whether it be, you know, just like I said, given to these ministries. And let's see what else. Ministry Partner Projects. Uh, we are building a church for Pastor Selena. Uh, she is a Muslim convert and church, plant, church planter in Bangladesh. Our goal is 15,000. Uh, the remaining needed is 5,300. So I encourage you, if the Lord has put it on your heart to, to bless uh, this pastor in Bangladesh, do it. It's, it's an awesome thing to give to these ministries because we see the return. When the pastors come back, when they bring the pictures and we see the outpouring that God is doing over there, we see the return. The return is greater than the giving. Trust me. Right. It's way better seeing that return. With that being said, our tithes and offering. I'm going to pray for our tithes and offering. Father God, I just thank you today. I thank you for those that came out today, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that... We have the opportunity to bless this church, my God, through our giving. We have the opportunity to bless, my God, ministries through our giving, Father God. Lord, I just pray that those that give, Father God, you would bless them immensely, Father God, abundantly, my God. You would pour into their laps, my God, a, a favor upon them, Father God. And Lord, the, the ministries that we give to, Father God, you would bless them abundantly, Father God. Let them see, my God, a hundred times, my God, what's been given, Father. I just pray right now in Jesus' name, bless every home that gives. In Jesus' name, amen. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is
It is well. Thank you, worship team. Um, at the end of my message, we're going to do this song, right? Because this is perfect. Oh, 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 I'm sitting in here in the front row saying, Woo, God, you're great. <laughs> we have had an exciting week here at Crossroads. They have kept me extremely busy. <laughs> I had a, a parent and leadership meeting with the youth, um, leadership and parents, on Tuesday night via Zoom. And then on Wednesday, I spoke to the youth about sex. Uh, <laughs> they still haven't made eye contact with me. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. And then um, I met with the singles on, uh, on Friday night, and we had a great time in the Word. It was, it was wonderful. There was uh, 12 of us. And that was a beautiful time. And then yesterday, all day, we met as um, um, I spoke on marriage. And um, it was pretty intense. It was intense. And uh, I really um, always uh, appreciate you guys opening up your hearts to hear the word and uh, to uh, have God speak to you in, in areas of your, your life. So we're going to get into the word today. Those of you that may not know who I am, I'm uh, Pastor Shelley Roberts. I am a psychotherapist, but I'm also a licensed minister. And I like to integrate the uh, word of God in with psychology, um, helping and improving lives. God called me a long time ago to a ministry that was a little bit different. And um, for many years that this was not even acceptable in the church. So we just allowed people to stay in dysfunction. They'd come down and pray, and then they would get up and go back to their mess and not have the tools to change. And uh, God uses the word of God. He uses his word. He also uses people. He uses different types of people to um, get through um, so that we can have a better life. Because he has called us. He has come. Jesus came that we would have life. And more abundantly. Right? So we're going to, to get right into the word right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless your word. And I pray that um, it would fall on, on good ears and good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, they advertise about the Israel trip. If you have not been to Israel, you got to go. You've got to go. I, I've been uh, a few times, and each time I feel like I'm going home. I'm going, it's just, it's a beautiful experience. And it actually, what I'm going to be talking to you about has something to do with Israel. Um, I enjoy the Israel buffets. Especially because I'm a foodie. I love, I love, but when, the first time I went to Israel and I came downstairs to go to the breakfast buffet, it was, a, now it's not like what we have. You know, we have cereal, waffles, all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. They have grapes and olives and cheeses and breads and all these fresh vegetables. And I walked in there. And it was like it was filled, surrounded with angels. And oh, I thought, oh, this is, this is perfect. This is wonderful. And 
I just, every time when I go back, I, I, I look forward to, to that ah moment. <laughs> but the message that I'm going to uh, uh, talk to you about is the wheat, the grape, and the olive. This is actually a personal Bible study that I've been doing, a personal words study um, that I um, had started when I was in Israel last time. Um, and it comes from the uh, studying about the uh, uh, product of the promised land. There were, certain, there were seven things the promised land was known for. It was wheat, barley, grapes, olives, pomegranates, figs, and dates. And so we're going to be talking about three of the seven today. Now, you may want to take notes, or you just may want to listen and apply what you're learning. But I want you to, to understand the meaning of what these things are. First of all, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, the 13th chapter, starting with the 24th verse. This is the parable of the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? Where then did the weeds come from? And he replied, an enemy did this. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? He said, no. Because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may also root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them up in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. Now, this is a very interesting story. Jesus is giving this parable that I believe is in my study. That he is directing his disciples about something. Did you know that there are six different types of wheat? Six different types of wheat. When each start to sprout up, they all look the same. It is not until they are in full maturity that we can tell the difference. What is interesting about this is that Jesus is saying, I, am, I, sowed, I sowed these seeds. The wheat is coming up, but the enemy has also sowed in this field. Uh, tares or weeds. And what I want us to focus on in this portion, the wheat, is Jesus said through this parable, told the disciples, directed us, don't focus on the weeds. Don't focus on the enemy of what is growing there. Because what could happen is that we would think that a weed, um, that, that a wheat is actually a weed. For example, 
We have uh, some people that are focusing on uh, other ministries and pointing out the false prophets. They point out different things that are wrong with churches and, and other ministries. And what the problem with that is, is just because that ministry doesn't look like our wheat doesn't mean it's not wheat. It may look different, just like my ministry. My ministry looks very different than um, a traditional pastor. Very different. But it doesn't mean because it's different, it's not wheat. And we can get so hasty in, a, in trying to pull out weeds that we don't know how to distinguish between what is wheat and what is weeds. That's why Jesus said, let the master do it. Let me do it. Just do you, boo, right? Just do you. If we start to get too busy and focusing on, oh, he's a false prophet. Or she is, uh, has the Jezebel spirit. Instead of just focusing on ourselves, focusing on the harvest, watering the seed. Because, you know, when you're watering the seed in this field, the weeds are also getting watered, right? But you are being consistent in saying that I'm not going to lose focus. I'm going to grow me and not start focusing on, well, my husband is not growing. He must be a weed. His life doesn't look like mine. He's a weed. He's got to be pulled out, pulled out at the root. And we start to actively start yanking on weeds when really it was God that planted that seed and the wheat just looks different than us. The damage can be done, the losing of souls, if we try to do something before it's time. We can rip apart a life if we start to get into a picking who we think is a wheat and who is a weed. It's not our job. I know, it's not, it's not fun. You're like, man, I was hoping you were going to be really funny today. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ needs to focus on planting wheat instead of pulling up weeds. We think that we are pulling out tares, we're pulling out weeds, but actually we're damaging our harvest. Mm, that's tough. So maybe today you need to refocus yourself. It's not, instead of going on the internet and going into those conspiracy theories, focusing, some, some people are focusing more on the conspiracy theories than the word of God. Okay, I'm telling you, the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He is the chaos maker. And when we are getting involved in that chaos, we are agreeing and feeding it into our spirit. Shut it off. Open up the word of God. Put on some worship music. Don't worry about the weeds. The weeds are going to be there. Focus on the harvest. Focusing on watering and seeding, okay?
So first, the wheat, you focus on that. So the, what I want you to remember with the wheat is, do you boo, okay? Just that's so simple. So when you start to focus on, well, I don't think she's of God. Don't focus on that. Say, ooh, I got to do me. I, I, I don't need to be jumping to conclusions about their life. I need to do me. Okay. Then the grapes. In John, the 15th chapter, starting the 1st through the 12th verse, Jesus was instructing his disciples here, and he says, I am the vine, and my father is a gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. You see how many times he said that? He's repeating himself. Anytime in, in the word of God where there's a, a continue repeating in one passage, that means you better pay attention. This may be a problem, right? So he says it again. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Some of us are asking whatever we wish without remaining in the vine. Hmm. That wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> okay. This is, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so he has loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is love each other as I have loved you. Here we are. This is about producing grapes. The grapes. The first mention that we have of grapes with the children of Israel was in the promised land. They sent 12 spies into the promised land and they came back with such huge grapes that were so heavy that they had to put the, the clusters on, on huge uh, sticks, on, on huge... Um... Thank you. You know what? What would I do with that, you guys? <laughs> on huge poles. So that they can bring in to show the people that this and show Moses, this is what we have here. That was the first time that they experienced that. Grapes are a symbol 
of heaven meeting earth. In Jewish custom, anytime there are grapes mentioned, it is the symbol of heaven meeting earth, such as the promised land. The Israelites encountered the grapes for the first time, and the large grapes symbolized promise. It symbolized that this, pa this passage in the desert is almost over, and we are entering the promise of God. When Jesus is giving instructions to the disciples, he's also giving us instruction. First of all, Jesus says that I'm the vine and you are the branches. Now, sometimes we can get kind of confused and we think that we're the vine and that our children are the branches and we have to do the work pruning them. That we are, are taking the role of Jesus in their life. We can do that with our relationships. But Jesus says that I'm the vine. Remember, I don't know, some of you guys may be old-time church people. But remember in um, children's church? He is the vine and we are the branches. His banner over me is love. Remember that? Yeah, his banner. Over, and you had to do that funny thing. Oh, he is the vine and we are the branches, right? Yeah, those were deep songs. Deep, deep. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, I'm the vine. You connect with me. You will bear much fruit. Connect with me. Then the second thing he says you stay connected to the vine, then you are going to be fruitful. God prunes. God, it's God's job to cut things out, cut things off. But you want to know something? Sometimes we don't like that feeling because it's uncomfortable. I love to garden. I, I have a garden back home in Texas, um, and I, I love seeing when it bears fruit. Years ago, I had a garden when I lived in Fullerton, and I had a, a boysenberry plant. And when, when I first moved into the home, this boysenberry plant was there, and it produced a lot of greens, but no berries. And I did everything. The first year, I, I watered it, I fertilized it, and I thought, what's going on here? We are not producing fruit. And I get, like, the spirit of Jesus comes over me, and I went out to the plant, and I said, if you don't start bearing fruit, I'm going to cut you at the root. I'm going to cut you out. I start threatening my plants. <laughs> so you get out there with the word, I'm going to cut you out. <laughs> well, the gardener that was in the area, he came by, and he, um, I was talking to him about, about my berries. And he said, well, what we need to do is, is I need to prune them back. Because there's too many leaves, and the leaves are not giving for blossoms. Okay. And I said, okay. So I go into the house. He says, ma'am, can I go ahead and prune your, your berry bush? I said, okay, yeah, go ahead. I come out. And looked at him. I said, what have you done? There was just like one twig. It was just... <laughs> he was like, he was like, whack. I could just... Imagine him just going at it. 
I said, what have you done? He says, no, it must be like this. And when he was talking to me, I could hear God saying, yes, sometimes I prune you back to the very stick, to where there's only one thing there. And we think that it's going to die, which is what I told, I told the gardener. I said, you killed my berry plant. He said, no, I didn't kill. He says, watch. Watch, it's going to produce much fruit. And later in our conversation, he said, all you need now is one good frost. One good frost. Then you're going to produce a lot of berries. And sure enough, that season we had a frost in Fullerton. And that season I had so many berries. When I when, In the spring it came, all these white berries, all these white uh, blossoms came on. And I made jams, I made pies, I made all kinds of stuff. I even did berry syrup. That was so good. But I had to experience the pruning and the season of frost. And you see, just like our life, we don't want to be pruned. We like the look of our leafy greens. Because it looks good to everybody else. We walk around saying, oh yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm nice and full. I've got a lot of greens. We put on this presentation of goodness, but you produce no fruit. And God says, I've got to prune you back. And pruning is painful. It can be a shock to our system. I was shocked by my berries. I thought, oh my God, you killed it. But... God does it for our purpose. There's some of you today that God wants to prune some things in your life. He wants to cut back so that it's not just about show, it's about fruit. And it's painful, but oh, is it good to eat of that fruit when you see it coming. So we got to remain in the vine. We can't do it on our own. It's not about the flesh. It's about working in the spirit. We have to stay connected to him. And we have to allow God to prune us so we can produce much fruit. And finally, olives. I love olives. It's one of those things that I just will go, this is part of me. You don't have to do this. And if it is disgusts you, keep it to yourself. Do you. Okay, <laughs> but I will get olives, green olives, has to be green olives, with the garlic in them, you know, stuffed with garlic. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. And then I will get some cheeses, a bunch of different cheeses, and I'll put my olives on the plate, and I'll put cheeses around, and that's what I'll eat all day long, olive and cheeses. It's the best. It's heaven. I love olives. When I went to Israel, I, got, I had the privilege of going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Gethsemane was the place where Jesus went to pray right before he was crucified. So let's read this in Matthew, the 26th chapter, starting at the 36th verse. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, which the, the word Gethsemane means the place of pressing, okay? 
And he said to them, he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me or pray with me, is what he was asking. Going a little further into the garden, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed. And he prayed this, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returns to his disciples, the, the three, and he sees them sleeping. And he says to them, could you men keep watch with me for just one hour? And then he says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, th that right there. I've had to do that many times. I was, when I came down here, when we were doing worship, I came down to get a sip of water out of my purse. And on the bottom of my water bottle was all these cookie crumbs. The flesh is weak. <laughs> Reminded me. That I, I still have a struggle with that. It's still a struggle. I'm hiding cookies in my purse. <laughs> you know you got an eating problem if you, you're doing that. At home, I, I live with my daughter and son-in-law. This is a sidebar, okay? I live with my, and um, my son-in-law, uh, he is finding that I have an extreme sweet tooth, okay? He found this just a few weeks into my living with them. Is he bought some cookies. <laughs> and he thinks, I hope he's watching because he's going to have a great, great laugh with this. He thinks if he buys something and puts it in the pantry, it's going to be there next week. Wrong. <laughs> because after the cheese and olives, you need something sweet, right? <laughs> and his first experience of this with me is he went into my daughter. He didn't come to me because he had bought some good cookies, okay? And he went into my daughter and he said, where are the cookies I bought? And she said, it was my mom. She probably, and sure enough, because at 2 o'clock in the morning, all of the sudden, the spirit wakes you up, and you say, wow, this is a perfect time for milk and cookies. And so, you go, now don't look, don't judge me. At least I admit it. <laughs> so now we have, after being with them a year, because this happened with cookies, it happened with chocolate, you know, it was a consistent thing. And finally, I told them both. I said, the only way... I won't eat it if it's not in the pantry. If you put it in my son-in-law's office, Destry's office, if you put it in Destry's office, I never go in there. Put it in there. So now they have this huge stockpile <laughs> stuff in there. But I won't go in there because that's a, his domain. I don't, that's his man cave. Oh, where was I? Okay. <laughs> oh, the flesh is weak. And then he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Then he came back. He again found them sleeping. 
because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you, are you still sleeping and resting? I, I don't know. For some reason, that sounded a little sarcastic to me. <laughs> I hope you're having a good night's rest. <laughs> but, but Jesus saying, he was just pointing out the fact here. Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. The process of the anointing is in the squeeze. We know that Gethsemane is the place of pressing. And as Jesus was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is surrounded in, in olives, we know, I want to share with you, that the process of creating olive oil. And this is what Jesus was going through. First process that has to happen when olive oil is made is it's put in a, uh, a crush mill. And they pick the olives, and the olives are hard. They are, are bitter. If you just take the flesh and you just eat it right off the tree, it's very bitter. It's nasty. But what they do is they pick the olives and they put it in this big wheel that crushes them. It crushes and crushes. The key to this is knowing is that if they just peeled off the flesh and squeezed that, it would have been very bitter tasting. It would have been not good for anything. But because the olive has to be crushed with the core, with the seed, they have to be crushed together to make this paste. So it'll go around and it'll crush. It'll crush and crush until all of it is grinded down to this, this paste. That has to be done so that bitterness is not in the product. Hmm. The Holy Spirit says some are experiencing a crushing. And we think, wow, I thought it was supposed to get better, but it's getting worse. And God is saying this is a part of the crushing to remove the bitterness. To remove the bitterness. And then there are three pressings that take place. So they take up all the, the goo and they put it in the first pressing. And what I want you guys to notice is that Jesus went through how many times? Three. Three pressings. The first pressing that is done, they, they put, it, put it in these baskets and then they press, they layer up all these baskets with the mush, the mush, the mush, the mush. And then they layer it up, and then they take this big press, and it presses, and this oil is, comes down. The first pressing is the purest of all oil. This oil is always the oil that is dedicated to the temple. Just like Jesus, our first pressing in life is dedicated to God. It gets rid of that bitterness, and then when it presses... Our answer 
should be in response, this I give back to you. This I give back to you. It's like that, that song when you have this pressing moment. Just like with Jesus, after the first pressing, he said, not my will, but yours be done. So after that first pressing is when you totally give and say, ooh, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Sometimes you have to give up a house to do it. Sometimes you have to give up other things that mean to you a lot. But with the first press, you say, it's yours, God. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Or mountain, or plain, or sea. I'll say what you want me to say. Dear Lord, I'll be what you want me to be. It's that pressing, that first pressing is where we say, not my will. It's to be used for you. It is dedicated to the temple. It is dedicated to your work, that first pressing. Then there's the second pressing. The second pressing is used for the house. It's used for food, perfume, and for medicine. And so when the second pressing happens, Jesus was anointed. He was anointed to be the provider, the food. He was anointed to be the healer. And he was anointed to be the sweet fragrance. In that second pressing. You see, just like Jesus, there's a second pressing that happens for us. And it's that time where we say, God, I want to be that anointing, a provider of the word in my home. Instead of going to the flesh, I want to go to the spirit. I want to be that provider of wisdom. Sometimes we focus on what is right and what is wrong instead of what is wise. God, that second pressing is for me to be a healer of relationships instead of the one who destroys. That second pressing, Jesus is making me a sweet fragrance. You want to know if you've been through the second pressing is when you can walk into a room and you create a sweet fragrance. You create a presence that's there. In this, in this process, this is where we, we say, Jesus, I want to be like you. The pressings are uncomfortable. But it's in this second press that we say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like you, Jesus. The first pressing went to the temple. The second pressing is saying, make me like you. Let me crucify 
my flesh. It says, to be like Jesus. It's an old song. To be like Jesus. I don't know if you guys know these old songs. I'm an old lady. It says, all I ask is to be like him. I'm going to sing it to you guys. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. All I ask is to be like him all through life's journey from here, from earth, to glory until we take our last breath. All I ask is to be like him. We should be filtering. That second press means that we are filtering our life through being like Jesus. We should be constantly asking ourselves, Am I like Jesus in this situation? Am I being a healer to this situation? Am I being sweet fragrance? Am I being a, an avenue of providing that healthy word? Then finally, the third pressing. The third pressing of the oil was used for two things. It was used for oil lamps. So this was the oil that was put into the lamps for light. And it was also used for soap. I think this is very, this is so amazing to me. As this is where Jesus, the third pressing, the third pressing is where Jesus became the light of the world. The third pressing, he became the cleanser of our sins. Ooh, it just made me, ooh, oh, no, you guys are so quiet. <laughs> I, I was preaching myself uh, in, when I was down in, in, uh, in Palm Springs. I um, was doing some stuff down there, ministry down there, and I was preaching to myself in the hotel room. And I knew the maids were out. You know, I always put, I don't want anyone coming in and cleaning. I clean my own stuff, and I put the do not disturb or else sign out there. <laughs> and I was in there. I was preaching to myself. I was oh, the third pressing, ooh. I, and I know that they're going, oh. When I came out to go get some ice, and they're all looking like, are you okay? He's, <laughs> but the third pressing is for us to be the light of the world. The third pressing is for us to be cleansed and to bring cleansing to others. Saying, you want you want to be white as snow? It's with Jesus. Because it's only him that can do these things. So some of you here today, some of you here today are, God is speaking to you about wheat saying, I've focused on the wrong things. I've focused on things that the enemy has distracted me with. I've tried to pull up weeds, and in the process, I think I've damaged some wheat. Or maybe you're like the grape. That God is saying to connect to the vine... Knowing that the pruning he does is for our good. Don't react in panic like I did with my berries. 
when you see God pruning some things from your life. No, he's doing this so you can produce much fruit. And then finally, some of you are in the olive process. The crushing. Some of you are in this crushing process in your relationships. There has been some fleshly bitterness. And God is saying, I'm crushing it from the seed. I'm wanting to remove that bitterness. The, the pressing of being set apart for the work of God. The pressing for spiritual food and the sweet fragrance. I'm telling you, some have, have asked me about my process in reading the word and studying. And I'm telling you, I went through a crushing many years ago in my life. And with that crushing and the pressing, my eyes were open to some things of God. He promised me, God promised me, he said, if you let me take this process with you, if you are willing, he said, I'm going to whisper my secrets to you. You see, the word of God is like a balloon. We, it's like me blowing air into the balloon, blowing it up and it gets really big, right? Full of air. And then we tie it off at the top. My DNA is in that balloon, right? My DNA is in that balloon through my air, through, through what I'd given into that balloon. That's what the word of God is. The word of God is God's DNA. You want to know who he is? It's in his word. And, and it's, it takes discipline. And part of it is that crushing that we go through. Because it then makes alive the word of God. And then we see the spiritual food, the depth that's there. It, but it's a painful process. It's a painful process. But if we can trust God and say, it is well. It is well. And then that final pressing that makes us the light. Every place we go. We should be light. But it takes the process of pressing. I want us to stand. This song, It Is Well With My Soul, this song that they, uh, part of this that we were singing, It Is Well With My Soul, was written by a man who went through a crushing. A crushing. And through that, he wrote these, these words. Actually, the crushing was is that he lost his daughters and his wife all in one accident on a, a steamliner boat accident. Um, and he wrote those words from the, the original hymn. It says, when peace like a river comes my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll. You ever had sorrow where it was like crashing you, crashing you? Like sorrow, like sea billows roll. He says, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well with 
my soul. It is well with my soul. Wherever your process is, right now as we sing this song, I want you to surrender this. And say, God, I'm in this process. I'm in the process of wheat. I'm in the process of, of the vine. I'm in the process of the grape. I'm in the process of the oil, of the olive. It is well with my soul. Grand earth has quaked before Moved by the sound of his voice Seas that are shaken and stirred Can be calmed and broken for my regard through it all, through it all, eyes, my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. Through it all, through it all, it is well. It is well with my soul. Through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you. It is well. Sing it to him. With me.
there has been a shift in some mindsets about the process you're going through. And I'm telling you right now, he's faithful. He's not done with you yet. You've come a long way. You've come too far to look back now. You might as well go all in. You might as well go all in. You can't stay where you're at. He said, dig deeper. Come on. Trust me. Dive in. The water's fine. It is well. Trust me. I do this so that you will bear much fruit. I do this so that the anointing that you crave, the anointing that you have been created for is produced from you. And I'll tell you this. If you're willing to do it, there's something fantastic that happens in you. When trouble comes, you may have a little, you know, a little setback in your mind where the enemy wants to play with you. But before long, you're saying, ooh, it is well. It is well. I don't care what my checkbook says. I don't care what my bank account says. It is well with my soul. I am doing the work of the ministry. It is well with my soul. I don't care if I have to do this alone. It's you and me, God. It is well with my yes. soul. Oh. I don't care if you have to prune everything from me. It is well with my soul. It is well. I'm preaching to myself right now. It is well with my soul. God's not done with me yet. I might as well go all the way in. I've come too far to look back. And I know I'm on the right path because many years ago when I was a little girl, that road led me right to Calvary. And I've been on that road ever since as well with my soul. 
So I want all of you who say it is well to just lift your hands up right now as a symbol to God, as an offering to Him, saying it is well. It is well with my soul that I'm going to trust you. I've come too far to look back. I'm going all the way. Do your work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. It is well.